Here we are, locked on NFL Tuesday edition. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. We will be breaking down Sunday night football, Monday night football, those primetime contests. I think we need to have a little segment about uh, contenders and pretenders here. Now that we're three weeks in, there's quite a few teams that are 3-0, quite a few teams that are 0-3. Who might be able to bounce back from a rough start? And who is for real from these teams that have jumped out to a nice record to start the season? I'm all for it. I like it. Good stuff. Let's get let's dive right in here to these yeah. night games. There's not a ton to talk about with these two, but you know. Yeah, they stuff. weren't the greatest games in the world. Um, I think one of those teams, they're not 0-3, but they're 1-2 and now. The Cleveland Browns, who lost to the Rams at home, 20-13 uh, was the final there. The Rams are 3-0. and I'd like to talk more about those teams uh, in a little bit, but just as far as this game goes, and a lot of the blame here has gone straight to... Cleveland Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens. Do you think that is warranted? Well, this was one of my concerns with this team is a lot of big names, a lot of big egos, a lot of expectations for the first time ever, a lot of primetime games. Um, I'm not sure, you know, a, a flashy roster, but does it have a strong foundation? And by that, I mean the offensive line and a first time head coach. And I, I think it's interesting that if this would have been last year and they started one and two and looked this way, everyone would be like, oh, the Browns are looking better. You know, it's just all about expectations, and Vegas had them winning the AFC North, and they're not been dominant. And frankly, they've struggled quite a bit. And I think Baker Mayfield, I don't want to say he's taken steps backwards, but he is far less comfortable. He's not seeing the field well. Um, it looks like people are throwing defenses at him that he has not seen. He's not processing it really well, not playing with a ton of confidence. And a lot of it stems from that line, too. I mean, they are not blocking a soul. Um, I'm worried about the Browns. I mean, I, I don't know. Can they rebound and be a, a really formidable team? Absolutely. But that's going to be a real challenge for a first-time head coach. And that was a concern here is you could you, you could see a situation where the wheels come off. Right, and I didn't, yeah, Baker Mayfield didn't seem comfortable in the pocket, probably because he's getting a lot of pressure and the offensive line's not playing extremely well, and uh, like you mentioned, we talked about it before the season started, that was the one question there, it was like, you know, personalities, they've got bodies there, they've got names, offensive line might not be up to snuff, and we'll see how these guys all t- come together, uh, you're starting to see some of this with some losses that pile up, and post-game pressers, not everyone uh, real happy to get a mic stuck in their face when they're losing. And, you know, yeah. those personalities, things can go in, in numerous directions. When you're high, you're high. When you're low, you're low sometimes. But Baker Mayfield just on the field Sunday night, r- rolling out of the pocket, sometimes into pressure when when there was no pressure there. Um, it just, yeah, it just didn't look like... Uh, it just, not it's a comfortable not, play. Yeah, not clicking, too, on offense for the Browns, even though they've got all that talent. I don't like the way they're using Chubb. He ended up with 23 carries and 96 yards, which isn't a terrible line, but um, he even seems to be like, what's going on? How are you using me here? The the fourth and nine draw play is obviously the one that yeah. everyone <laughs> talked about. It was like, what are you doing? And uh, I saw a statistic they talked about since, I think it was since 2007, of all the fourth and nines in the NFL. That is the first time a draw has been called oh wow <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> yeah uh, since, kind of surprises uh, yeah. me but wow fourth and nine is usually desperation time and for that's, a decade. That is an yeah. interesting call no doubt 
third and nines, it's like, okay, we're going to punt after this anyways. But fourth and nine, if you're going for it on fourth and nine, that's a desperation. You need that first down, and draw is not usually the best play. Usually you're throwing that ball past the sticks. And Freddie Kitchens, you know, put that on himself. So Nick Chubb, I don't like the way necessarily they're using him. Jarvis Landry, he had a nice 27-yard catch in this one, but he's not being utilized as his normal extension of the running game self, I think. I see him on, you know, running deep routes out of the slot, and he's kind of like half-assing it down the field because he knows that's not his game, and he knows he's not the one open. He's He knows he's not the one that's being targeted there. And so it just there's a lot of weirdness there with the Browns. And right now, not go, knowing going great, I don't necessarily think they're going to go in the tank, but they they could. And so definitely some worry level there with Cleveland. Yeah, and deservedly so. And um, I do give the Rams credit, though. I mean, I think they're clearly the better team. They're the contender of the two. But you still go on the road Sunday night across country and take care of business. I mean, Goff historically hasn't played quite as well on the road. So give the Rams credit, too. Let's talk about Todd Gurley for just a moment here. Okay. 14 carries for 43 yards, and the rookie Daryl Henderson hasn't been a part of the running game at all. Uh, I'm wondering how you feel about that offense, the running game. I mean, on the season, Gurley's still averaging 4.6 yards per carry, even though he didn't have much luck in this game. On his 44 attempts through three weeks and 203 yards, so not juggernaut uh, production there. Are you worried about the Rams' ability to get back to another Super Bowl with the way Jared Goff is playing? Okay, but not great. Todd Gurley might not be setting the world on fire. And what do you hang your hat on on offense now for Sean McVay here? Yeah, I mean Goff is fine. I think he's you know he's worth the money probably. Um, but I think he, they need a balanced attack for that scheme and for who their quarterback is. And Gurley looks fine to me, but I do think he's kind of on a pitch count or um, break glass when needed if they get into a, a, a very crucial game late. Um, as for Henderson, I think that he is questionable in pass protection, so you can't really put him out there yet. But I think he's more the Chris Thompson type. You know, McVay comes from Washington, if you remember. But my more more of my concern is I think they're working through some things on offense. Is first of all, I think there's somewhat of a blueprint out there that Belichick created with with the you know the cover four and, and putting six guys across the line of scrimmage that they did in the Super Bowl. And I think they're working through some of that. But maybe even more so, the line isn't where it's been. You know, I mean, it isn't an upper tier line anymore. It's fine. It's not great. There's a lot of younger dudes on the interior that are getting their feet wet. So in the meantime, they're winning games, and the best might be yet to come, but it's still working through some things. Uh, one benefactor in the offense currently with the Los Angeles Rams is Cooper Cup. He had 100 yards on 11 receptions. Talk about extension of the running game there. Not you know deep downfield targets, but he's moving the chains for the Rams and a pair of touchdowns in that one. So fantasy, fantasy footballers that uh, went for Cooper Cup and expected a bounce back from his injury, they're, they're looking like they're in good shape right now. Yeah, they are. They're in a very good spot. Although that division is not easy. No, it is not. And we're going to talk about another 3-0 and team in that division when we talk about pretenders and contenders here. Uh, let's step aside, come back, and talk Monday Night Football Bears in Washington. This podcast is brought to you in part by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code Locked On. Folks, it is a new season. The only thing that hasn't changed where I'm putting my money down on all the games. 
MyBookie is the only place to bet on football every weekend. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs 100 bucks to enter. All you gotta do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. So, folks, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and absolutely my bookie fits that mold. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business for you and your fantasy guys out there. You can even bet the over/under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. I love that feature, by the way. Up to a thousand-dollar first deposit bonus. You double your first deposit. Use our promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use our promo code Locked On when creating your your claim when you're creating your account to claim the bonus. Again, that's Locked On. Two words: Locked On. Bet, win, get paid. We have a weekly conversation here, Matt, on the show about Mitchell Trubisky, how our confidence level is. Uh, Washington, maybe not the greatest barometer of of how good a player is, but he made some throws that you love to see from Mitchell Trubisky, and it's that flash, it's that talent. It's the reason he was drafted number two overall a couple years ago in the draft, uh, as the Bears were definitely the better team going on the road and uh, beating the Redskins 31-15. to Yeah, I mean, first of all, don't go grabbing Gabriel in your fantasy league. I mean, that's going to be the best game of his life, and uh, some of it was a little bit fluky, but boy, what a touchdown catch by him. And to your Trubisky point, what a throw from him, too. Yeah. I mean, everyone wanted to give Gabriel all the credit in the world. That's his third touchdown. Look at his, did with his feet. That's a heck of a throw from Trubisky. And you're right, and that's something we say about him a lot, is if you just put his highlight reel together, you would be like, this guy's going to the Hall of Fame. You know, like, this is a special <laughs> player. There's a lot of ability there, but there's very little consistency. I think this might have been his best game of the year, which isn't saying a lot, but at least it's a step in the right direction. And Washington's not an easy to defense to play or to play against, but misses too many open throws, and I don't know that that's ever going to go away. Yeah, some footwork issues there, and man, you just want to see it come together. And I, I would love to see that happen. And he's on the right team to have an opportunity to do that with uh, the way they can, you know, run the ball a little bit, have a lot of weapons in the backfield, some decent wide receivers there, like Allen Robinson still. And, of course, that awesome defense that even though Vic Fangio is gone, they're still playing at a high level, picking off Case Keenum three times. And we really got to talk about Washington here. Uh, the good How about was... Mack, though? I oh, mean, come yeah. on. I mean, every time you watch him, it's like he gets better every every viewing. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. His explosiveness, the way he uses yeah. his hands, uh, he, he can beat you with speed and power. He just always seems to be... And it's like teams obviously have a plan. You have to stop Khalil Mack. And they can't stop Cleo Mack. And, like, you want to run away from him. You want to roll away from him. You don't want him to be there. And then all of a sudden you'll get that play where he gets unblocked. And you're like, how did you go through the whole week of practice, game planning, and you ran something that he gets unblocked? They're trying to bring a tight end across from the other side in motion and and cut him off and, and roll and block him. And it's like, no, nah, dude, you, you can't do that. Come on. You've seen enough Khalil Mack to know that that's not going to work. Yeah, it's insane. I'm super impressed more and more every time I see him. 
Rookie wide receiver Terry McLaurin is definitely showing up for Washington. I like uh, the other rookie they've got over there. He wasn't heavily involved in this one, and Kelvin Harmon as well. So a couple of good young receivers there. Terry McLaurin, six catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. Seemed like he was even more involved in that than his eight targets. Uh, A lot of it, I think, was late, but Case Keenum. 43 attempts, he threw the ball to Chicago three times, one of them a pick six to haha Clinton Dix. Uh, Case Keenum obviously is not the long-term answer in Washington, so the obvious question is, when do we see Dwayne Haskins? I don't know. I mean, you know, he's sort of like Trubisky in that he didn't play a lot of college football. I think he needs to be protected well. I thought that there's a lot of ability there and had some good moments in the preseason but also looked in over his head in the preseason quite a bit too. So that's not the best sign, obviously, if you're going to throw him in the, in the, uh, the, the deep end. I don't know that Keenum's been terrible this year, and, and frankly, he's exceeded my expectations to some degree, but yeah, those has. expectations couldn't have been lower. Right? You know, so, mm-hmm. And I'm not defending him or saying that he's the answer because I think we know that he is not. I do think we'll see Haskins before long, but it might be a little early right now. I was thinking when it was like 28 to three or something like that, I was like, okay, next drive. Yeah. Uh, another, he threw another interception. It's like, okay, well, next drive, obviously Haskins is going to go in there. Cause what are you doing if you're Washington? And he didn't come in and I was thinking, okay, you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, why would you put Haskins in against this Chicago bears defense and make things that difficult for him in his first action? Uh, there's teams like the Miami Dolphins on the Washington schedule. Maybe that would be a a better start for uh, Dwayne Haskins. I believe that's week, what, six is the Dolphins. They have the Giants next week, the Patriots after that. So, yeah, maybe you do just wait a little bit before you put Dwayne Haskins in there. And it's it's an interesting conversation, developing quarterbacks. And we talked about this last week with the, the whole Parcells thing, and they actually brought that up during the Monday night broadcast. You see... Daniel Jones had a bunch of starts in college. Gardner Minshew had a bunch of starts in college. Their transition has been pretty easy so far to the NFL, respectively. But Dwayne Haskins, like Trubisky, not a lot of starts in the NFL. So they obviously need reps. Or do they need or do you need to let them sit and watch? It's like, well, yeah. the thing they're missing is the reps, but you can't put them in because they're not ready because they haven't had the reps. Yeah, he needs experience, so sit on the bench. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It all depends on the player. And I think a lot of that really shells, you know, you know, sorts itself out in the film room, in the quarterback meeting room. If you're quizzing him consistently and he's not able to make the protections to protect himself and keep his body out of harm's way and at least orchestrate the offense, I don't think you can put him out there or at least consider it. So I think a lot of that stuff is impossible for us to know but it's a lot is above the uh, you know above the neck all right matt let's move on to the contenders pretenders here we've got a bunch of three and O teams around the league there are seven three and O teams there is another team the lions that are two oh and one and unbeaten so eight unbeatens let's go down the list here and i want to get your opinion on your confidence level that these teams are for real and uh, they're going to be trouble for the rest of the league. Let's start with the AFC East, a pretty easy one, a team that was at the very top of your power rankings in the New England Patriots. We know they're going to be a playoff football team. Yeah, and they're absolutely for real. However, the defense is more for real than the offense. I mean, I, I think they're still working through some things on offense. 
Um, I'm not sure Brady's quite the level he's been in the last couple of years. I mean, he's still great, but not far and away the best player in the league type of guy. And the defense is really the strength of the team right now. Antonio Brown not going to be a big part of this thing, but then you'll have someone like Dorsett, who is a cast off from another team that's you know putting up numbers anyway in, in that spot. Mm-hmm. So it almost doesn't even matter at some point. And you know minus Gronk, but we'll, we'll see when they start playing some better teams. Because uh, as we noted yesterday, New England Patriots opponents are zero nine on the season right now. <laughs> All right, staying in the AFC. They're in good shape. Yeah, right. <laughs> staying in the AFC East. Buffalo Bills jumping out to a three and zero start. That defense is definitely for real. Defense is great. Um, I'm really impressed with Josh Allen's maturation in a short amount of time. Are they for real as a contender in terms of Super Bowl? No. I would be shocked, but I think they can definitely get into the postseason and maybe win a game or, you know, I mean, there will probably be a, a wild card situation. But you look around the AFC, I don't see many better candidates for wild card spots. And again, with their 3-0 start, they haven't played juggernauts in the league. They've no, played no. the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals. We'll see how good the Giants <laughs> are now with um, with Daniel Jones starting instead of Eli Manning. Maybe that's a, a big bonus, and the Giants were able to pull off a W with Daniel Jones. Maybe that's a completely different team now. But no Saquon, so that hurts them just as much as it helps them now having another quarterback and a little shot in the arm with the signal caller. So... Um, the Buffalo Bills, I definitely am pumping the brakes on just because I don't trust Josh Allen, although he's starting to prove me wrong a little bit, and I have liked some development from him. I just don't know if the accuracy is ever going to completely be there, and the ground game, Devin Singletary hurt, and they're, I mean, Frank Gore's 36 years old, and that's their number one running back right now, so uh, there's still some question on offense in that receiver group, and I'm not sure if they're for real. I want to see them play some better teams, uh, so I'm going to reserve on that one, but I do believe in the defense and when you've got a great defense and you can at least do a little bit on offense I think that you'll they'll be in good shape at least be in the conversation at the end of the year yeah I do too and I think they're a well-coached team too there's some good two and one teams around the league but I want to stick with the three and O's here Kansas City Chiefs they're one and two with uh, New England Patriots I don't think we have to talk a lot about it Mahomes is uh, on a better pace than he was last year statistically which is just stupid yeah and we could probably bypass them too Um, as long as they keep creating big plays on defense. It's not going to be a shutdown defense. It's not going to be the Bears or the Patriots. But if they can keep creating big plays here and there, they can win the whole thing. We've got the NFC unbeaten still to come. And then we'll look at some of the teams that are 0-3 out to bad starts and our confidence level and maybe some of these teams coming back and making a run. Dallas Cowboys, they are at the top of the NFC East right now, and they are already two games up on everybody. The Eagles, Giants have one win, Washington 0-3, Dallas Cowboys 3-0, and they're looking like they're just going to waltz into the playoffs at this point. Yeah, I really thought them and the Eagles would be battling for that top spot, and maybe when Philadelphia gets healthier, that will come to fruition, but the Eagles are struggling a little bit. Dallas is rolling. They haven't played the toughest slate of games either, but I do very much believe they're for real on both sides of the ball, quarterback position. They're not super reliant on Zeke, which is great. The O-line is killing people. So, yeah, I think Dallas is a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, Philadelphia in that division is the one that's like, okay, where where are you guys? Let's go. And, hey, it's still early because that's why we're talking about this. There's a lot of times for uh, a lot of time for a lot of seasons to go in multiple directions. The Green Bay Packers, 3-0 atop the NFC North, but not the only unbeaten there. 
as three and O teams go, a little bit of smoke and mirrors. And this is another one like the Patriots have a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I think they're searching on offense a little bit. And I don't think Rodgers looks super comfortable in this new offense. Um, I think the defense is phenomenal, though, and is carrying the team. So if that can be the recipe until Rodgers gets right, great. But what if Rodgers doesn't get right? And it's not just him. It's the whole offense. The Detroit Lions, my, uh, my peacock apology this week was writing them off early in the season. They're playing some good football right now. Uh, they dueled the Cardinals to a tie in week one, which wasn't super impressive. But their last two wins, especially uh, this week, have been impressive. I like what I'm seeing from the Detroit Lions. I'm not ready to crown them yet, but... You know they're they're going to be in there, but man, that's a tough division. Everybody with at least two wins: Vikings two and one, Bears two and one, uh, Detroit unbeaten. They could still be in last place in that division. They could still make a run and win that thing. Yeah, and I would probably, if I power ranked that division, I'd probably have them fourth. But that's probably the tightest division out there right now. I mean, I think all of them have a case. Um, I was pretty rough on Patricia his first year, but to his credit, I think that he's got more players in his likeness and starting to build things how he wanted. And that doesn't happen overnight. I think Stafford's playing well. I think the balance on offense is strong. Um, I still have questions about the defense and think they're kind of like on that bills tier where, yeah, they may end up in the playoffs, but I bet they're more of an eight and eight team than they are 11 and five. Fascinating division. They're going to beat up on each other a lot in that division as well in the NFC North. And uh, I do like the way things are going with, Patricia and maybe we'll see Stafford have his opportunity at doing some things in the postseason finally there in Detroit. Uh, Two more teams that are unbeaten in the NFL and they are in the NFC West in another very tough division right now shaping up there with uh, the Seahawks also two in one in that thing. It's the Los Angeles Rams at three and oh the Super Bowl representative for the NFC last year and I think the barometer right now for teams in the NFC West. Yeah, and I do think they're for real, but I also think they're sorting through some things as we talked about to open the show, especially with the line, especially with the running game. And Goff, to me, is not a Tier 1 type of guy. So, yeah, I, I mean, they went to the Super Bowl last year, and I don't know that they're you know noticeably worse. So they're still a really strong team. They're also not a team that's better, and it's always tough for things to go as well yeah, two seasons in a row, and so I don't know how they're going to be better than they were last year, and obviously, if you ask Saints fans, a lot of luck that got uh, the Los Angeles Rams into the Super Bowl last season, and their biggest hurdles are probably in the division, just like those NFC North teams, and they're going to have some battles this year with the 49ers and the Seahawks. The San Francisco 49ers is, I think, one of the most interesting unbeaten teams here because they had some hype coming into last year. And this year, we're seeing it come into fruition. We're seeing a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, even though he's not playing at the level that he could yet. And so this team can actually play better than they have so far. They turned the ball over five times against the Steelers last week and steal one, which was really showcasing how good their defense has become. Yeah, and I'm a believer, but I would say they're closer to the Lions and Bills than they are the Chiefs and Patriots. Although I would put the Niners ahead of the Bills or Lions. I mean, I think they have more of a chance than those two teams to be uh, someone that makes a lot of noise. And I think it's a double-digit win team. I don't know that it's a powerhouse. Um, I do think it's going to be a really 
impressive and important year for that organization that they're learning to win, that they know they have their quarterback. I mean, they, they really have, uh, kind of like I talked about with Pat- Patricia, but even more so, they it, it's Shanahan's team now. He's built exactly what he wants. Yes, and we're seeing that with his play calling and, and third year for some of these guys in the system and the starting five offensive line all returning this year. And so you're seeing some continuity there on the team that we hadn't seen on, in a team that was completely gutted when they came in in 2017. Uh, but like the Bills, you still want to see them beat some uh, some really good teams that are off to good starts. Right now, the 49ers' three wins are Buccaneers, Bengals, and Steelers. The The first two games on the road, which is impressive to go on, out on the road for two games and, and win both of those. And coming into the season, you thought, okay, week three of the Steelers, that's the first real good team the 49ers are going to face. And now the Steelers are sort of reeling right now. And then the Cleveland Browns are like, okay, in week four, that's tough. Monday Night Football, Browns are going to be good this year. And you're like, okay, well, maybe not sure that's the best to compare with. So now you're going to move on to week six and the Rams. And now it's going to be that NFC contest against the Rams is when we'll truly find out who the 49ers are on the road. That's going to be a really fun contest. And even when the 49ers, and I expect them to... At home on Monday Night Football, have a, a really good chance of beating the Browns before and oh, and I still won't be completely sold. And as host of Locked On 49ers, I, I'm the try to be the realist. I try to not let 49ers fans get too high when things are going good or too low when things are going bad. And right now, I'm just like, eh, let's wait and see. That, that Rams game is the one to circle, and we'll find out about the 49ers. Yeah, and just one more Niner note that, boy, the bye weeks crept up on me. I, I set my fantasy line up this morning. I'm like, bye weeks are already here. Holy <laughs> it's, smokes. So it's they're, crazy. They're one of the ones coming up that get to put their feet up this week. Yeah, they get to have a week off. They lost Akella Witherspoon, which actually is a guy who's really developed there uh, at right cornerback. He's going to be out for four yeah. weeks, so he'll have an extra week to get healthy that the 49ers won't have to play. And then Bosa's had a bad ankle. He's had a, uh, a high ankle sprain. Since the summer, D. Ford's had some knee tendonitis and it's crept into his quad. Right. And so both those guys playing good. I want to see them at 100% with fellow first-rounders on that defensive line, DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, who are both playing out of their minds right now. Uh, On Monday Night Football, if all those guys are 100% by then after the bye week, uh, look out Baker Mayfield in that Cleveland offensive line. Yeah, he's in for a long evening, I have a feeling. Okay, so on the flip side here, uh, we won't go through every team necessarily. Your Pittsburgh Steelers are one of them. Here is a list of teams that have yet to win games in 2019. And I want to get your thoughts on uh, maybe you pick the one or two teams that you think have the best chance to turn this thing around. We've got the Arizona okay. Cardinals are 0-2-1. The Washington Redskins 0-3. Denver Broncos 0-3. Steelers and Bengals in the AFC North are both off to an 0-3 start. And then in the AFC East, it's the Jets and Dolphins. Yeah, and I don't think we need to spend nearly as much time on this list, kind of like you said. And it's funny because you look at the winless teams, and I don't know that I remember the bottom of the power ranks being so littered with terrible teams. You know, I mean, that's a that's a bad list you just rattled off. And yeah. you didn't even include teams like the Raiders. I mean, there, there's a couple other pretty bad teams in the league right now the Giants Tampa that have gotten a win um where did the parody uh, go what's that where did the parody go in the NFL this is more like the 90s football where there's the haves and half nots around the league right and there's a lot of have nots that don't have much hope you know like usually a I saw the the numbers that an 0-2 team 
makes the playoffs like 12% of the time. And you would think one of those 0-2 teams from last week would have, you know, by the numbers, gotten in. I really have to squint for any of these teams to be, you know, playoff relevant. Um, I definitely sound like a homer, but if I were to power rank all the teams you mentioned, I would still put the Steelers number one. Um, The Jets are noteworthy to me because they're so bad right now, but I do very much expect the second half of their season to be much better than the first. I mean, if you have Darnold, of of course, Herndon, Quinn and Williams, C.J. Mosley, they're playing without some of their most important pieces. Um, I'm not a Denver believer. I'm not a Flacco believer, but I'm not sure they're quite in the conversation with the top, you know, the the terrible, terrible teams in the league. Surprisingly, their defense hasn't done much. I mean, no pass rush. Yeah, that's the big surprise there is that Denver yeah. defenses, which is why they're one of the teams that I believe. Uh, and look, the Raiders and Chargers each only have one win a piece too, so uh, it wouldn't be that difficult for the Broncos to get out of the cellar there in the AFC West. Uh, but Vic Fangio, I think, is a good coach, and we'll see how the offense goes there. But I expect the defense to get better, and there's just too much talent on the defensive side of the ball for them to be, I think, that bad of a team. And I'm with you. If you had to pick a team that made a playoff run out of all of these, it would have to be the Steelers. I mean, they're still littered with first-round picks on the defense. Mm-hmm. We'll find out if it was. I mean, they've played the Seahawks and the Patriots and the 49ers. Those could all be playoff teams this year. Right, right. So and, you we know. talked about some teams that are 3-0, haven't played much. The Steelers, it might be a situation where like, oh, yeah, they had a rough schedule to start. They're going to figure things out. Mason Rudolph has a chance to get a little bit better, and they can make some noise and make a little bit of a run. So I, I would definitely pick the Steelers, and I think you were right on point with the Jets. They have some good young talent. I don't expect them to be a playoff team, but I think things can look a little bit brighter, you know, midseason in December than they are right now. Yeah, and unlike the Broncos and Jets, the Steelers are only two games back in their division, and I know Baltimore started really strong, but the Steelers have yet to play a division game. The AFC North all lost last week, so that loss didn't kill them. And, you know, you, you mentioned their schedule, the the Patriots who crushed them, but the Seattle and San Francisco games were really coin flips that they didn't end up pulling out. I mean, they were pretty equal in those matchups, I mean, they're not playing well, don't get me wrong. But of these awful teams, I don't think that they – I think they stand out as being not so awful. That Minka trade is still such an interesting one to me. And (laughs) I didn't talk about it with you um, on Monday, but he had a quote. And I think he obviously lied his way out of Miami. And I guess we can end with this real quick. (laughs) His quote to ESPN was, I think a vital part of my game is my versatility. I'm able to move around, free safety, nickel, corner, playing in the box, covering guys. I think that's an important part of my game, and that's the reason why they wanted me here to move me around. That doesn't sound like the reason he wanted out of Miami, right? That's funny because the the we I, I kind of called that one because when the news came out, hey, just leave me in a spot in Miami. I I, I think my words were, man, a, a red flag just went up in my head because that's what you do well. You know, I mean, that's the beauty of you. That's why you were the 11th pick is because all the things you bring to the table – and how difficult you are to prepare for. And even in his first game, I mean, you watched him against the Niners. He made plays, and mostly he was a deep center fielder. But once in a while, they walked him down the line of scrimmage, blitzed him. You know, like already after being in camp with the team for four days, they were asking different things of him. So he's going to be all over the place. Oh, yeah. And he looks good to be able to jump in the same week he's traded to a new team and uh, and fit in there. And he made some plays. He made a couple of plays. I think he forced a fumble, had that interception that was tipped up to him. 
uh, yeah, I like the Minka Patrick move there. The key here is where's that pick that they traded, that first rounder, the 0-3 Steelers right now. If that turns out to be a top five pick, then it's a little bit rough. But aside from that, I hear what you're they got saying, a good player. And trust me, I deal with this every day with the Pittsburgh you know, Steelers. <laughs> yeah, Nation. I bet. But to back to our point to start the segment, I'm going to have a hard time being convinced that the Jets, Dolphins, Bengals, Raiders, Broncos, Giants, um, Tampa, Arizona, and maybe I'm missing one, aren't going to pick ahead of the Steelers. Washington. Yeah, that's a great point. There's an, uh, there's a bad team. That point we made earlier about how many bad teams there are in the NFL that the Steelers uh, just have to be better than them, and that, that pick looks a lot better. Exactly. All right, Matt, we're out of time here. Should we hit the tweets on Wednesday? Yeah, that'll work. Okay, yeah. Get those Twitter questions in. Tag me at BD Peacock on Twitter. Tag Matt at Williamson NFL. Matt will put out a a bat signal for some, a Matt signal, I guess, for some tweets. And we'll hit those questions Wednesday right here, Locked on NFL.